Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of For the Love of Dharma. I am your host, Heather Love. Today is the first day of summer here in the Northern Hemisphere, the day of the year with the most daylight. I love the energy that the first day of summer brings. It's a time when I feel like a kid again and remember the days when summer break meant slowing down. As an adult, I love the less hectic schedule that summer brings for my family and the freedom to go on adventures and explore new things to do or places to see. I also love to spend some time reflecting on the first half of the year and see what I can do for the next six months that will move me even closer to the life that I'm trying to create. It's also World Giraffe Day, which is synchronistic since my next guest and I talk about giraffes in the beginning of the episode. I had no idea that this episode would air today when we recorded it, so it's just a little wink from the universe. Today, I introduce you to Stephanie Nielsen. She is an EFT practitioner. In the episode, we kind of dive right into the topic of emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping. So let me give you a little information that might be helpful going in before we get started. Emotional freedom technique, or EFT, is a way to create balance in your energy system. It is a body-centered therapy, also known as tapping or psychological acupressure. The idea behind it is by stimulating various points on your body, you can better deal with issues such as stress, fear, phobias, depression, and anxiety, among other things. These points are called meridian points or acupressure points. EFT stimulates these points by touch rather than by the use of needles that are used in acupuncture. If you aren't familiar with EFT, it is something that is easier to learn with a visual to see exactly where you should be tapping. So be sure to check out today's show notes where I've linked to free resources that Stephanie has to offer. Without further ado, let's welcome Stephanie to the show. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Hey, it's nice to be here with you, Heather. I am so happy you're here. We were just talking a little bit before we started recording about how we met in a program of Kathy Heller's and our lives have sort of reconnected and it's so amazing. And so I'm so happy to have you here today so that I can talk to you. So the way I like to start my guest episodes is I would like to have you select either the color blue or red, and I have a blue book and a red book, and I'm going to ask you a random question out of the book. Let's go blue. Blue. Oh, this one's kind of a big one. (laughs) What are your long-term goals for your life? Ooh, I like it. Uh, Maybe a little bit different than other people, but it's an internal goal more, more than anything else. Um, for me, I can get caught up in external goals and it really fucks with my head. So internally, my long-term goal is to have an unshakable sense of peace that no matter what kind of emotion services in my life, there's something in t- inside of me that I'm deeply connected to that feels good and okay. Even if there's chaos externally. Oh, I love that. 
Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. I've never thought of it that way, but yeah, that's, that's a really good goal. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So tell me what was Stephanie like as a younger Stephanie? What was your personality like? What did you do for fun? That's a great question. You're making me really be in the present moment. (laughs) That's something that I'm really practicing for myself. One of the first things that came to my mind was Um, Because we lived out where we had like a five acre field. And so my sisters and I would go out and hunt what we called horny toads. They were just like a little lizard that would be out in the fields. And we would pretend they were our pets. And it was like this, this outdoor adventure that we'd have together. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I love that. So you like to be outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Five acres. That's a pretty decent amount of yard to go out and play in. Yeah. It gave us a lot of sunshine and freedom. So what did you want to be when you grew up? (laughs) So if we're talking to like little girl me, I wanted to be a giraffe Ah! because I thought (laughs) that I could grow up and be anything. And that was like, well, a giraffe has a great perspective. They're real tall and they're beautiful. I'm like, okay, I want to be a giraffe. And I don't know when I realized that that wasn't an option, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, that was my first childhood. What I want to be when I grow up. Oh my gosh. I love giraffes. They're like the coolest things. I went a couple years ago, pre-COVID, I went to Texas and I went to this like wildlife sanctuary and I had giraffes eating out of my hands and it was just like the coolest thing. So, well, maybe you can come back as a giraffe in another lifetime. Or maybe I already was. (laughs) That's why I felt like I wanted to be. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I know you as Stephanie an EFT practitioner, but I would love to know, is that something you have always done or is, was there another part of your life between childhood and that? Oh, wow. That's a lot. So a lot of different things. I was born and raised a Mormon. And so I was conditioned to get married and have kids. So I wasn't, I didn't really allow myself to dream much farther than that. I did start my emotional freedom technique tapping journey while I was still Mormon. Between that and meditation, those were the two things that helped me carve a pathway out of that box and be open to something different and new. And maybe that, well, in all honesty, it was very foreign to a mind that was molded in Mormonism. Yeah. If all you're conditioned to do really is get married and have kids, that doesn't leave the option for much else. No. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about EFT. So you said it's called emotional freedom technique. I have only been familiar with it for the last couple of years, maybe five years. How long have you been practicing? What can you tell us about it? Kind of where did it come from? Okay. So a funny story. The first time I was introduced to tapping, I was a teenager and um, it looked so weird and so bizarre. And I'm like, what are these people fucking doing that? I got up and walked out of the room much to my mother's <laughs> disappointment. Right. Cause <laughs> I mean, I had some trauma I needed to deal with and I was a teenager and I didn't want to deal with that. So my first exposure to tapping was like big deer in headlights, get me out of this. Um, but then as the years went on, I, 
I tried other things to deal with my past trauma and it still just kept coming up and sometimes stronger than it had before trying to get my attention. And I decided, okay, I got to give this thing a try because I've heard that it's supposed to help. And the first time I tried tapping on my trauma, I did it by myself, which if that's you, you want to try tapping on your trauma by yourself, please don't um, because we are already trapped in it. (laughs) It's helpful to have someone else, a coach, at least a very minimum, a coach you feel safe with that can help you through that process and witness and hold space for you. But essentially, emotional freedom technique is based on the energy in our bodies right? When we have something in the past and we haven't dealt with it, it gets trapped in our energetic systems in our bodies. And I know that some people, when they hear that, they think, oh, that's woo woo weirdness. I don't buy into any of that. And that's okay. That's where I was for a lot of years. But the more I've learned, the more I've realized that we cannot escape the mind body connection. And we are made up of energy We cannot get away from that fact. And so when we start to heal in a way that takes that energetic component into mind, magical things start to happen. And that's what tapping is for me. It's a way to work with the energy of my body so that it can move like it needs to move instead of being stagnant and trapped and feeling stuck in our own existence. So how does it work? You know, you've got this trauma in your body and you're aware of it. And then there's, you tap on different parts of your body, but how does that do anything? Mm, That, yeah. (laughs) And I felt that way as well when I started. And I kind of think of tapping or any energy work like, electricity behind a wall that we can't necessarily see with our physical eyes. Like it's not tangible, but that doesn't mean it's not there because when we flip the light switch on in our house, the lights work. It's the same way with our bodies. I know that there can be resistance um, to using energy type modalities and tapping is included in that. And I understand. And if a person is there, I actually don't push them because they might not be ready. And it's important that we honor that if, well, number one, if you're attracted to tapping or energy modalities, there's something in you that's saying, hey, this could help you. And I would encourage you to follow that. But if you're a person who's listening to this and you're thinking, oh, that's weird. I don't, not for me. Well, then that's okay too. Like, um, and just honoring that our own personal journey, our unique journey, because what works for me might not work for someone else. They might have a different side door that gets them to the same place where I used a different method. So I'm not sure if I answered your question hundred percent, but yeah, no, I, I love the light switch analogy. I think that's great. And I think the other thing about this or any modality is just try it. Maybe, maybe it will work, you know? And Mm -hmm. so for people who are having that resistance of, well, that looks crazy and it looks weird because it does look a little weird when you're doing it. <laughs> it does. You feel like a weirdo when you're first starting. And I mean, if someone is listening to this and they're like, I want to learn more kind of like the science background of it, check out Dr. Peta Stapleton. She is a psychologist out in Australia. She has a book out called The Science Behind Tapping. They're doing all sorts of studies about how it works and why it works and measuring the differences. One thing I will say, um, because we do deal with stress so much, 
is they found that tapping can reduce cortisol levels by up to 43%. Wow. So if you did nothing but tap and breathe without even saying anything for five minutes every day, you're giving your body the gift of relaxation, pulling it out of that stress response. Because we all know when we're in that fight or flight mode, we can't think clearly, everything feels harder. So if nothing else, if you're open, tap and breathe every morning, five minutes, clear some of that shit out so that you can have more clarity instead of being in a fight or flight state to start the day. Yeah, that's huge. 43%. I mean, Mm -hmm. think of yourself half as stressed as you are at any given (laughs) time, you know, I mean, that's, that's fascinating. So when you tap, kind of talk us through the process. I know it's more of a visual thing, but for as much as you can on a podcast, kind of talk through what, what does it look like? What are you actually physically doing with your body? Yeah. So the first thing you want to do is identify the issue. And a lot of the time people have a heightened emotional state that they are uncomfortable with and they would like to do something about. So you just identify that. And it can be something as simple as I'm feeling anxiety. And then you start at the side of the hand point. Of course, you can't see me, but if you if you hold your hand out in front of you with your thumb facing you, there's going to be the side of your hand, pinky side facing away from you. It's that fleshy part right below your pinky on the side of your hand. And you're going to tap there. You're going to say, even though I feel this anxiety, I deeply and completely accept myself. And this, it's just, and you're going to say that three times on the side of the hand. And what that does is you are accepting how you are feeling. And that in and of itself, most people don't know how to even do that because they're afraid it won't ever end. So they push it down and pretend it's not there. Yeah. So you identify the issue, side of the hand, even though I'm feeling whatever. Does does it matter which hand? Nope, it doesn't. Um, I I actually love, and this is from watching Friends. So if you're a friend, I don't remember which episode it was, um, but you take both of your hands together. So side of the hands, put them together and you can tap them like this. I like to kind of have my fist like this. And it reminds me of friends when oh, I was yeah. like saying F you, but without using your finger. Um, so yeah, it's that part of your hand. So either side of your hand, single or both, it doesn't matter. And that's the same with all of the points. You can do one hand, both hands, both sides, do what feels good. Okay. So now we've accepted the feeling. Mm-hmm. Then what do we do? Feeling. We've accepted the feeling in ourselves, right? So even though I'm feeling anxiety, I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And if you hear tapping on the recording, it's because I'm, I, I'm tapping. <laughs> she is. She's actually like, going like the you motion. can see me. <laughs> I, I can see you. <laughs> and you also, what's really helpful is you can give it a rating of an intensity as well. So you can check in with yourself, like how big does this anxiety feel? Is it at a 10? Like, is it like debilitating me and I need to stay home? Is it a five where I'm learning how to deal with it? Is it really low? And what that does is after you do a few rounds, you get to check back in with yourself and that feeling and see what it's doing. See if it's moving and shifting. And for me, this really helped me notice how an emotion doesn't last forever to see how it can shift and change in the process. So, but we have it set up, right? We're tapping on anxiety and just to keep it simple, especially when you're tapping on an emotion itself, you'd go up to the very top of the head point. So it's, if you look at your ears and go straight up the top of the head from the ears, the center, that's the top of the head point. So you tap there and you would just say this anxiety, 
And then you move to the next point, which is the beginning of the eyebrow point. So next to the bridge of your nose, this anxiety. And you continue through the rest of the tapping points, just accepting and acknowledging that this feeling is here. And not everyone teaches this next step, but I love to teach this next step because it's so valuable. If you find your mind trying to run away with things, you're just trying to focus on the feeling, purposefully pay attention to what sensations are present in your body as you feel the feeling. And what this has done for me and my clients is it helps us understand an emotion happens in the body. And we can put the story to the side and learn how to feel what it feels like and understand that it doesn't last forever. It's like a wave in the ocean. It visits and it passes. Yeah. The somatics are huge. I love that you do that because anxiety, for example, it could feel like tightness in your chest or your, you know, a tightness in your stomach or your shoulders could be up by your ears, you know, those kinds of things. It's so important to notice that. So you can move through it. And like you said, it doesn't last forever. So I, I love that. So as you're going through this and you're acknowledging and accepting and you're loving yourself, even though you have this emotion, what is going on in your body as you are acknowledging it? Right. There are things beginning to move energy is starting to move and vibrate differently. When we look at our cells on a cellular level in our body, if we really broke it down, everything is vibration. Everything is vibration. So just in the power of accepting how you feel, you are changing the vibration of your body. And a lot of people are like, well, I've been told I'm not supposed to go there. I'm not supposed to feel that. I'm not supposed to feel those emotions. Well, the problem is the breakthrough that we're looking for, the peace that we're looking for is actually through those emotions instead of pretending that they're not there and doing this toxic positivity and jumping straight to what we think we should be thinking or feeling when in all actuality, it's already there. Like, And we need to change that state through acceptance instead of forcing something to change. I got it. Okay. And then how many different points are there they're called meridian points, right? Is that mm-hmm. correct? How many different ones are there? There are, well, there's lots to be honest, let's be real, but there's nine basic points. So if you look into Dr. Peter Stapleton's work, she calls it clinical EFT. So they are only doing studies with the basic nine points. So there's the side of the hand, like I tried to illustrate before, but you can't see me. <laughs> There's one on the top of the head. There's three around the eye. So there's the eyebrow point that's next to the bridge of the nose, one on the side of the eye. And this is all along that bone. You're not going to be tapping on any super soft areas around your eye. And the third one is under the eye. Then you move to under the nose, or some of people will call it the lip point, but it is right under the nose. And then on the chin, that fleshy part of your chin. And then the collarbone point can be confusing for some people. And I do have a free PDF guide. If you're confused and you're like, I resonate with this chick, then you can find that stuff in the show notes and you can actually see visuals, Um, but the collarbone point. And then the last point that is in clinical EFT is under the armpit. (laughs) So you have to lift up your arm for ladies. It's along the bra strap about three to four inches below yeah, that's the one that always gets me where I'm like, okay, now I look like a weirdo because I'm mm-hmm, like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And the one thing I will mention is that if there is a point that feels uncomfortable to you, 
then skip it. Mm. it it's it, for me, tapping is all about understanding what we need and accepting ourselves how we are so that we can then move through. So if your intuition is asking you to do something different, or if you know more tapping points you want to incorporate, then follow that intuition. There's a reason that it's coming up. I've never heard that before. I love that piece of advice where if it just doesn't feel right, don't do it. Or if you'd rather tap somewhere else, do that. Mm -hmm. So what types of things can be helped with tapping? Mm, So many things. I mean, uh, (laughs) tapping is one of those things that people use for just about everything. Um, And all I can do is really speak for myself personally. So I've used tapping for depression, for anxiety. I've also incorporated tapping into my journey of overcoming binge eating. For me, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia in 2015, and I used tapping to figure out what was going on. Because for me, that representation of that pain, which they called fibromyalgia, was tied to my trauma. So as I tapped through and released those emotionally reactivity charges around that trauma, my pain started decreasing. Mm-hmm. It's the coolest thing ever. So really anything. When it, when it was first really started to be used, they used it for vets that came home and had PTSD oh. so that they could hold space for those memories in a safe way and attach different meaning t- meanings to them so that it wasn't something that pulled them out of the here and now. That's so interesting. So this has been around a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how widely people know about it. I think it's becoming more and more popular, but I guess I didn't realize it's, it had been around. I mean, that's got to be at least 30, 40 years now, would you say? The, the version of clinical EFT that they're looking at right now um, came around, came out in about the 80s or 90s. I forget the exact date. So okay. yeah, it's been around so, yeah, for a good 30 or 40, depending on But when. if you really, if we really think about it, like body tapping, Qigong, if you've mm. heard of Qigong, like that's centuries. For a long ass time, that's funny around, like tapping on the meridians of the body has been here for a long time and it's very useful. So if you're like, well, I don't like EFT, but I want to work at the meridian system of my body, then look up Qigong. I love it. Um, And just that speaking to the fact that there are many routes to the same destination. Yeah. And I think that's true with so much of our lives, right? Like you don't, there isn't necessarily one right way to get there and just keep trying something and you'll find what works for you. I think that's really important. So you go through all the points and you're loving yourself and accepting yourself. Mm -hmm. And I know you said there's three rounds. So what do you do after that first round? You check in with yourself and just see what's happening, see what's going on, see what thoughts or memories came up. That's one thing that um, can be off-putting, especially if you have trauma and you're trying to do tapping by yourself is as you're holding space, your subconscious mind is going to say, Hey, let's look at this too. This would be nice not to be triggering us anymore. So as you're holding space, there's going to be pop through thoughts is what I call them. That's going to help you know 
what needs to be addressed next. And one of the really cool things that I love is when we get our body in a state of calm and we're accepting what we're thinking and feeling, we are more in tune with our higher self. And so when we're in that state, myself and my clients have experienced little like inspirational epiphanies come through. And those, that's your higher self saying, thank you. Here's my message for you. This Mm. is what you need to focus on. So on that second round, are you focusing then on the new thing or are you still focusing on the anxiety that you had to begin with? You want to focus on the original until you get the intensity down. Um, And everybody will say a different number. I like to go with three or below before you then shift into something new. I do always recommend that you have a notebook with something to write with next to you while you're tapping so that you can capture those things that come through, set them to the side, and then continue tapping on your original issue that you started with. Okay. And so you go through three rounds total Mm -hmm. of the tapping through all the meridian points, and then you check in with yourself. If it's not at a three or below, what happens? Tap again. And I'll be real. I don't always, like if I'm at a five, if I'm tapping for something and I'm like, ah, yeah, but I just, I need to let some of this go. I need to look at something different. I need to shift into the positive. Then I will. So really follow your gut, but it is highly beneficial to acknowledge an emotion, feel the intensity of it, and then watch that intensity get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until you're like, oh, that wasn't a big deal. I felt my emotion all the way to completion. And now I feel this sense of clarity, but that's not always realistic, especially if someone is tapping on, like, even though I feel like I'm not good enough, feeling like you're not good enough is a tabletop issue, which means there's a lot of support underneath that belief that I'm not good enough. So you could tap on a tabletop issue of I'm not good enough all day long, and it's not going to go anywhere because of all the supporting foundational pieces underneath. So you might keep that in mind. If your intensity isn't getting smaller, you might be tapping on something that has more support than you realize. And you might need to say, okay, what is actually supporting this feeling? What is supporting this belief? And can I look at that in a smaller way and tap on those things individually? Oh, that's really important. Yeah. Because like not being good enough, I mean, that could come from a million different places Mm -hmm. for a million different reasons, Mm -hmm. but if you try to break it down into smaller bits as to, okay, but what specifically isn't good enough and where did it come from, then that's going to make it easier to kind of break down. I'm, I'm picturing like a huge iceberg, right? And if you're chipping away at it with an ice pick, you're not going to make much headway, but if you have smaller chunks, it's going to break down faster because it's Mm -hmm. already smaller. Yeah. And what people will notice is if they stay consistent with it, you don't have to be perfect, but consistent as you're tapping on those smaller issues, there's like this ripple effect of the next issue doesn't seem as big because it was connected to the first issue that you've then collapsed. So as you go through this process, that tabletop issue is going to start to lean over and lose some of its support and eventually crumble altogether. Yeah. 
So when you're going through the three rounds, are you focusing on the problem the whole time or are you arriving at any kind of solution or any kind of better feeling thoughts or do you are you just focusing on the anxiety, for instance, as our example? So when you're initially starting it, you are just going to focus on that feeling and the negative is associated with that. And some people, and I'm not in this camp, think that's all we need to do. We just tap on the negative and we're done. Well, the universe doesn't like empty space, so it's going to be automatically filled in. I love to use concepts of neuroscience to then fill that in in the direction that my client wants to go or the direction that I want to be going. So once you get that intensity down, then we turn it around, we shift it, and then do more tapping on those things, feeling into those new turnarounds as if they are true and really amplifying that for ourselves. Because what, we've, what we know now in neuroscience is when we have a thought or an intention coupled with an emotion, that neural pathway in the brain gets more nourishment and can grow quicker. We could go down a whole rabbit hole of neuroscience because <laughs> I love it. I, I am fascinated by how the brain works and can rewire itself and how it doesn't know the difference between what's real and imagined. And if you have the imagined state of whatever it is, you know, I want to live on a beach in Hawaii and you feel it and like, you're already there and you can picture it and all of those things, like it's already there for you. You just have to go get it, you know, and your brain doesn't know that it's not true. And it like, it's just so fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. So when you're going through the rounds and you're saying, you know, I, even though I have this anxiety, I love and accept myself. Do you have to say it out loud or can you say it in your head? There's different approaches to this as well, which is I, which the reason I love tapping so much is you could do it either way. I do find it beneficial to speak it out loud because it more fully activates that part of the brain that that feeling and those thoughts are alive in. If, however, you're in a situation where you don't feel like you can say it out loud, obviously just to yourself is a great alternative. And just remember, there's no wrong way to do it. Follow what feels good. Yeah. And I really think that your intention can play a huge Mm -hmm. role. Like if you're putting the intention out there that I want to acknowledge this feeling and I want to move through it instead of pushing it down, whether you say it out loud or in your head really doesn't matter. I mean, that's just semantics, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there is something to be said for saying things out loud, but at the same time, if you're in a place that that would be weird or you don't feel comfortable, you know, I think, yeah, probably just saying it in your head is absolutely fine. So you have a PDF that shows the different meridian points on your website, and I will link everything in the show notes with all the places people can find you. Although I think you have the same handle in all the places. So that makes life easy. (laughs) But besides showing where the meridian points are, do you give an idea of what to say? Yes. um, There's a PDF guide that takes you through different alternative ways to approach it. And I do, if you find me on social media, I do guided tapping videos that you can just dip your toe in the water and have someone guide you through it. And if you go to YouTube, 
there is so much on, on YouTube. So if you are in, interested in tapping, but you're like, I don't resonate with Stephanie, then go to YouTube, search for the tapping topic you want to be tapping on, and there's going to be some options pull up for you. Yeah. So you are strength discovered, right? Mm-hmm. On all of your platforms. And I love your Instagram. I know you're on TikTok too, which I'm not on as much, uh, but I love your videos. You have so many good ones and you have the most soothing and calming voice as you speak. You can't help, but like, even just talking about anxiety, I'm like, I don't, I don't have any listening to you because (laughs) (laughs) you're just so calm. So how can people work with you? Like, what are your offerings that would allow people to get more Stephanie? So it depends on when they're listening to this. So if they go to the general link in the show notes, they will have options of what I have available. Um, There's my free guides. I also have a free Facebook group um, that you can join and be a part of. So you can experience tapping in a more private setup. And I do one-on-one work and I have a course that's not enrollable right now. I'm running it currently, but I'll be launching it again this summer. So stay connected with me if you have something you're interested in. So what type of things can people expect in the course if they think I might want to enroll the next time that you're Mm -hmm. having it? Well, the course is based around turning down the volume of self-doubt. I mean, we, we all deal with that. And I watch so many women struggle with that and beautiful, amazing, gorgeous women inside and out, not share their gift because they felt like they weren't good enough or inferior in some way and afraid to shine their light. So that's who this course is created for women who have self-doubt stop them in their tracks. And throughout the course, it's really this process of understanding where you are and where you want to be and bridging that gap on purpose and knowing that it's not going to be an overnight process and support in going through that is pivotal. Like I didn't shift from self-doubt into self-confidence by myself. (laughs) There were people along my journey that were very integral in that evolution for myself. That is so needed. And yeah, I think as a society, we want the quick fix for everything. Mm -hmm. And if you go into it, understanding it isn't going to happen overnight, you do need to put in the work. You are going to have to make some changes in the way that you're thinking about things like that is really what it all comes down to, Mm -hmm. to determine whether or not someone is quote unquote successful. Right. So the way I would like to wrap up today is I would like to ask you five rapid fire questions. And it doesn't mean that the answers have to be short. I just want you to answer in a way that first comes to your mind. What is something that makes you laugh? (laughs) My son, he is very unique and he will just make random noises and whistling in his room for no reason. And it just makes me giggle. (laughs) How old is he? He's 12. 12. Oh, I love it. I have two daughters. They're 11 and 15. And they are the funniest people. I know they make me laugh all the time. So I, I totally get that. What is the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word play? Mm, being on a swing. Oh, I love the swings. They're so much fun. You know, the older I get, the more I don't swing, 
because my, my stomach gets really big butterflies. Yeah. So, so I, I, I will, that. <laughs> I will sit in a swing, but it won't be as like swinging high. Like I used to when I was a small child. But. Yeah. I've <laughs> developed vertigo over mm. the last few years. Uh, well, probably eight years now. And so like anything like that kind of, you know, but actually that brings me, this doesn't count as one of my five, but does the, <laughs> does tapping help? I know you talked about f- fibromyalgia. Can it help for physical things as well as mental? Is it both or is it one or the other? Or what would you say? So the mind body connection cannot be broken. So if you are having physical pain manifest, could it be, or could it have an emotional component? Yeah, probably. So if you can tap on the emotional component of it, that will help. Like for example, um, for with fibromyalgia, I had what I called primary pain and secondary pain. So the primary pain was the pain itself. And then the secondary pain was created by my thoughts and emotions and fears that I had about the pain never ending. And so I started there with that emotional and thought component that was contributing to the pain. Cause when I let myself go there, that pain would amplify. And I mean, people can say that tapping can work for everything, but if you literally have something physically wrong with your body and there's not an emotional component, then tapping is probably not going to be the thing to do. You need to go see a doctor, but if you do have an emotional component to it, which for me, depression was that way significantly. I didn't realize how much my thoughts and emotions were playing into my personal experience of depression. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. So for me, I mean, I guess I could try tapping for my vertigo, even though I haven't knock on wood, I haven't had an episode in a long time, but I don't think there is an emotional connection, but I guess I could try it and see (laughs) just to see what happens. Okay. I think I asked you too. So number three, what is your favorite way to show up for yourself as it relates to self-care? Ah, I like this question. For me, it's the pause. So simple, so easy, so accessible, just pausing and checking in with my body. Because for me, my connection to my higher self is as I connect in my, with my body. So that pause is so important for my self-care. It gives you a moment to just breathe. And I'm sure even just breathing can take down your cortisol levels a little bit all Mm -hmm. by itself. (laughs) Mm -hmm, It does. (laughs) What is something you're excited about right now? (sighs) This evolution that I find myself on, like this personal evolution that if you would have asked me 10 years ago, if I would feel the way I feel about myself today, I would have thought, I don't know how that's possible. I don't know how I would ever like myself, let alone accept or love myself. Yeah. And I think that evolution is accessible to everyone. All you have to do is be brave enough to go through the fear Because really, like for me, I think of fear as that raw material that as we move through it is recycled and put into the direction we're going. That's beautiful. All right. Last question. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you give your younger self? Mm. (laughs) I'm probably going to cry. I'm a crier. 
<laughs> I'm a sympathy crier. Some people start crying. I start crying. <laughs> it's okay to trust yourself. You don't have to look to outside authorities to tell you what's okay or what's not okay. And this is coming from a little girl who was raised in religion, right? It's okay to trust yourself. In fact, that's the pathway. That's the doorway that you're looking for. It's not outside. It's looking inside and trusting you. That's so important. I think we spend so much of our lives looking for that validation outside of ourselves and we lose our own trust muscle and we start Mm -hmm. to not believe ourselves or believe in ourselves even. Mm -hmm. And so I love that advice. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much for being here today. This was super informative. I will definitely link to everything because this is one of those subjects. It's kind of hard to talk about without being able to see it. But like you said, there's so many YouTube videos and there's books out there and there's all kinds of things. So we will link in the show notes so that people can actually get their hands on something visual to look at. And I hope everyone will practice this because I think it's so important to just try it and see if it works for you. I mean, it could really change your life if you let it. So thanks so much for being here. It was really nice to talk to you and we'll see you soon. Thank you. I hope you feel inspired to try tapping for yourself to see if it's something that you'll incorporate into your own self-care practice. It is something that I have started to put into my rotation of tools that I use, and I always notice a difference afterwards. Here are five key takeaways from today's episode. Number one, if you have trauma and want to try tapping as a way to release that trauma, Make sure you are working with an EFT professional, at least for the first time, because if you're already stuck in that place, the safest way for you to try this technique is with someone who is trained in how to do tapping properly and understands how this may affect people. Number two, emotional freedom technique is based on the energy in our bodies. Experiences that we have can get trapped in our energetic body if we don't know how to release them. When we heal the energetic component within our mind, magical things can happen. Number three, studies have shown that tapping can reduce cortisol levels of up to 43%. Cortisol is the primary stress hormone in your body and controls the fight or flight response. Tapping and breathing for just five minutes every morning can give you more clarity in your life. Number four, Tapping allows you to accept however you are feeling. You can rate how intense that is for you before you start tapping. This will help you see how effective this technique is for you once you've gone through the whole process. Check in with yourself afterwards and see if that energy is moving and shifting for you. Number five, there are nine basic meridian points that are used in EFT. The first one is the side of the hand, which some people also call the karate chop point. The next one is called the eyebrow point, which is the part of your eyebrow closest to your nose. The next point is the outside of your eye on the bone, not the temple. The next one is under the eye along the same bone as the last two points, just above the fleshy part of your cheek. The next one is under your nose, above your upper lip. The one after that is under your lower lip, 
where there is a crease between the lip and the chin. The next one is the collarbone point. It's slightly to the right or left of the center of your body. The next point is underneath the arm. This is about three to four inches below the armpit. The last point is right on top of your head. I am so happy that you spent some of your time with me today. If you loved this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would leave me a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Have a magical day.